believe that today, that He is enough. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter what your situation is, Christ is always enough. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Come on and give Jesus another shout of praise. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to take a moment and welcome all of our campuses across Miami-Dade, our West Kendall campus, our Doral campus, Homelet, Homestead, Redland, Coral Gables, and downtown, and everyone who is watching us online, Christ Fellowship Palmetto Bay, can we give it up for them as loud as you can? My name is Carlos, and I serve as one of the teaching pastors here at Christ Fellowship, and we're going through this series that we've entitled The Good Life. See, everyone has an idea, a perception of what the good life really entails, and we're learning through God's Word what Jesus says is truly the good life. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Mark chapter 14. We're going to begin in verse 3. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. How many of you are ready? All right, at all of our campuses, Doral, Homestead, Redland, Cora Gables, downtown West Kendall. If you don't have your Bibles, all the verses will come up on the screen. And here's what the Word of God says. While he was in Bethany, this is Jesus in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste? Say with me, waste. waste. Say it like you mean it, waste. waste. Why this waste of perfume? Well, I want to invite you to have a seat now at all of our campuses. And, you know, many of you may know this about me, but I went to seminary. I got my master's in theological studies. But before I went to seminary, I did my undergrad at FIU here in Miami, and I got my business degree with a concentration in management. And one of the principles that was often talked about in school, and probably you've heard of this principle, is even if you didn't go to business school, it's very well known, is the idea of the principle called ROI, return on investment. And this is a simple definition. It is a performance measure used to evaluate the efficiency or profitability of an investment. You see, companies, businesses, organizations use this mindset, this principle, to figure out whether or not they are using their resources well. In other words, is this machine that we're about to invest money worth it? Is it going to give us any profit, any return? Is hiring this staff person, this employee, bringing this person onto our team, is he worth the money? Why? Because they don't want to waste their resources. And even though this is a business principle, every single one of us, whether you realize it or not, subconsciously, we all operate with that mindset. We all want to know what's the return on investment. For example, if you go to a restaurant and you're about to pay for a meal, you think about it for a moment, is that meal that I'm about to devour, is it worth my money? When you go to the movie theater and you're about to spend $24 on a movie ticket, you think about, is that movie worth my money? Why? Because none of us want to waste our resources. None of us want to waste our money. None of us want to waste our time. But one of the things that I quickly discovered as a father of three children is that kids love to waste things. 
Come on, parents. Kids love to waste things because the moment that I became a father, baby wipes became my best friend because children are always sticky, all the chocolate in their hands, crumbs in their mouth. And so I tell my boys, get a couple baby wipes and clean yourself. Rather than just getting one, they're getting an entire stack of baby wipes. And Shawnee's having to go to Target every week to buy boxes of baby wipes because they waste toilet paper, baby wipes. They waste food. After working a long day at work, you come home and you prepare a yummy, delicious, healthy meal for your children, gluten-free, with all the organic products. And you're like, they're going to love it. You place that meal in front of them. And they want chicken nuggets from McDonald's or Burger King. What do they do? They, they waste it. They spread it around the dish and act like they ate something. Then they throw it away. Why? Because they did not sacrifice and spend the money on that meal. But the moment that child gets older and becomes an adult and they actually have to pay for it, oh, it, everything completely changes. Their mindset completely changes. In fact, with that in mind, take a look at this video right now. Hey, how many of you have old enough children to witness that, right? Isn't it so true? But you know, it's one thing to waste toilet paper. It's one thing to waste baby wipes. It's one thing to waste time watching a movie that you didn't enjoy or electricity or wasting food. But it's a whole nother thing to waste a life. When the days go by, the weeks go by, the seasons go by, the years go by, and you feel like you're wasting your life away. You feel like you have no value. You feel like you have no purpose. You feel like you have no significance. And if we were to be honest with each other, I'm sure many of us in here today, if not all of us, have probably felt that way before. I feel like I'm wasting my life. But with all of that in mind, here's our big idea. Here's our big takeaway for this weekend. The good life is a life that is not wasted. Amen. Now that poses the question, how do I not waste my life? Carlos, how does it look like? What do I have to do to not waste my life? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this narrative in Mark chapter 14. So we love to take notes here at all of our campuses. Take out your Christ Fellowship app, download it if you haven't done so already. But here's the first point that I want you to write down today. We're going to reiterate the big idea. The good life is a life that is not wasted. Now I want to give us some context to set up the scene that takes place in Mark chapter 14. Because when Mark chapter 14 takes place, this is coming to Jesus' life on earth is coming to a conclusion. 
And we've told you many times that Jesus did ministry for about three years. And so his 12 disciples would follow him everywhere as he performed miracles, he did healings, he taught lessons. And so at this juncture in the life of Jesus, it's coming to a conclusion. And he's about to be crucified to die on the cross for our sins. And so with all of that in mind, here's what happens in Mark chapter 14. While he was in Bethany, this is Jesus, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. Now let's stop right there. Because we know that Jesus is in the home of Simon the leper with his disciples. Now Simon no longer has leprosy. Because if he had leprosy, they wouldn't be in his home. Because if you had leprosy, you had to be ostracized from everyone else. You had to be isolated. You had to be quarantined. And Bible scholars believe that actually Jesus healed Simon. So he's probably having this dinner, this home, uh, in his house uh, because he wants to honor Jesus and he wants to thank him for healing him from leprosy. So as the disciples are sitting around this table, they're on the floor having this meal. Here's what happens. A woman came with an expensive, with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. Now, this ointment or this fragrance, this perfume was very expensive. And the Bible tells us how much it was worth later on. This was not the cheap stuff or the things that you get at Walmart, like cool water. <laughs> Come on, some of you still wear cool water, don't lie. Or curve. It was more expensive than the doTERRA essential oils like lavender and frankincense and peppermint. This thing was so expensive. And look at what the Bible says, what she does. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And here's what happens next. Why this waste of perfume? The disciples are saying this. Why? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. You see, the value of this perfume, of this ointment, was worth a year's wages. And it is believed that this was actually an inheritance that was passed on from several generations, which is why it was so valuable. One generation to another generation to another generation. This woman has this expensive perfume that was so worth it and breaks the jar, the entire jar is broken, and pours it on Jesus. And the disciples say, what a waste. Now, oftentimes we pick on the disciples, right? I can't believe they would say that. But think about this for a moment. Yes, Jesus is awesome. He is our savior. He did walk on water. He did perform these miracles and healings and healed Simon the leper. But come on, are you really going to pour this expensive inheritance and pour it on Jesus? Maybe some of us would have felt the same way. What a waste. But look at what happens as they're rebuking her harshly. The Bible says, look at what happens. Leave her alone, said Jesus. I love this because as the disciples are picking on her and saying, why have you wasted this? Before she utters a word, before she defends herself, Jesus comes to her defense. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Why are you saying that that is a waste? 
she has done a beautiful thing to me. Why? Because the moment that this woman poured this fragrance on Jesus, the moment she did this, this was a form of worship. Here's what I want everyone to find out today, to write down as your next point. Worship to Jesus is never wasted. Write that down as your next point for today. Worship to Jesus is never wasted. And when I'm referring to worship, I'm not referring to singing like the songs that we just sang earlier today. When our band leads us in a powerful worship song, that is a form of worship. But I'm referring to a lifestyle of worship. You see, because worship is anything that honors God. Anything that is in obedience in accordance to the word of God. And you know, when we're thinking about ROI, return on investment, think about this. When you worship, not only are you giving God the adoration that he deserves, but you're getting the greatest ROI. Think about this for a moment. Husbands, if you follow Ephesians chapter 5, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Oh, there's going to be a huge ROI. You're going to have a happy wife. You're going to have a happy life. Chances are your marriage is going to be healthy. You're going to set the example to other people. What greater return on investment? If you're a parent, if you're a father or mother, and you follow Deuteronomy chapter 6 and press the teachings of Christ in your life, in your child's heart and mind, what greater return on investment? You are building a legacy of men and women who will follow Jesus because there's no greater thing than passing on your faith in Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? Doral, Homestead, Redland, Coral Gables, downtown. Think about it. Mark chapter 12, love your neighbor as yourself. When you operate that way, you're becoming a better friend, becoming a better employee, a better coworker, a better business partner, a better neighbor, a better Facebook friend. See, when you follow Jesus, not only do you glorify the King of Kings, but you also are becoming a better husband, a better wife, a better son, a better daughter, a better grandparent, a better citizen, a better employee, because worshiping Jesus is never wasted, which is why Jesus says, don't bother her. She has done a beautiful thing. Here's what I want all of us to realize. Whether or not you've been a believer for a very long time and you've been following Jesus for over 20 years, or maybe you're joining us for the first time and you're like, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing. And you're a skeptic and you're watching us online or maybe you're at one of our campuses. Here's what I want us to realize. We all worship someone or something. We all worship someone or something. In fact, the word of God says in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, the apostle Paul says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And what? Worship. And what? Worship. Worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. In other words, we either worship the God of the universe who created you and I to enjoy him forever, or we worship 
created things. We either worship the blesser or we worship the blessing. But make no mistake, every single one of us, we worship something or someone. So my question for you today, if you're watching us at one of our campuses, who are you worshiping? Who are you pouring your entire self to? Is Jesus worth your worship? The reason why this woman gave this expensive ointment is because Jesus was worth her worship. Last week, my family and I, we went to Disney. We had two-day passes that were about to expire, so we had to, to use them. And now our two boys are big enough to ride the big boy rides, right? They want to ride the big boy rides like Mount Everest and Avatar and all the, you know, Big Thunder Mountain. And so what we do is, because Everly is too small to ride the, these rides, so what I'll do is I'll go with my two boys and uh, I'll enjoy the ride with them and then we get a parent swap pass and I'll give it to Shawnee and then my wife goes with our two boys and they enjoy the ride. And so there was one of the days that we were there, I was tired, I had a headache and I told my wife, I go, babe, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. So Shawnee takes Noah and Nathan. And the moment that that happens, Everly, our little girl, goes crazy. She's like, ah, I want mommy. I want mommy. And so I put her in the stroller and nothing. She was not changing at all. Everyone started looking at me. Did you kidnap this little girl? Worst father of the year award is going to you. You don't know how to deal with your children. You need your wife to help you. And she was, she was not having it. I put her on the stroller, and I was like, oh, there's a Disney character. Ah! I'm like, Elsa is there. She loves Elsa and Frozen. Ah! She got worse. Then I remembered that throughout the day, she wanted popcorn. But I thought that it was a waste of money to spend $5.25 on a small bucket of popcorn. We had enough snacks from Aldi and Trader Joe's. I'm not gonna buy you that expensive popcorn. ROI, remember ROI, return on investment. But at that moment, I'm like, oh, she wants popcorn? Guess what I did? I got the popcorn, I gave it to her, and it calmed her down. She barely ate the popcorn. I didn't care. I would have spent $15.25 on that popcorn. I didn't care. Why? See, my perspective of the popcorn completely changed the moment that I was reminded what that popcorn did for me. It calmed down my little three-year-old. You see, can I remind you in a much greater way the moment that you remember what Jesus Christ, God Almighty, did for you on the cross, that he came down to rescue you from your past, present, and future sins, and you are a new creation, not because of what you've done, not because of your value, but because of his grace, mercy, and compassion, it completely changes your perspective. Completely changes. So the moment that you start thinking, is it a waste of time to worship God? Or people will tell you things like, I can't believe that you go to church on Sundays. You could be at brunch at Green Street. You can be enjoying some fluffy pancakes with bacon and mimosas, non-alcoholic. 
I can't believe you're worshiping Jesus on a Sunday. You remind yourself and you tell people, wait a minute, wait a minute. It is never wasted time when I come together with other brothers and sisters in Christ and I worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who has saved me. And I get encouraged and I get inspired and I get challenged and it fuels me for the rest of the week. I can't believe you serve in a ministry on the weekends. Johnny, you already work over 50 hours a week. Aren't you exhausted? Aren't you tired? You're giving free labor to the church? You're giving free labor to the church? Wait a minute. It's not wasted. Because when I serve, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. And every time I serve, I am following the word of God. Mark chapter 10 says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And many are being impacted every time that I serve in a ministry. I can't believe you give money to a church. Yeah. People will say things like that. And you may think that at times. Oh my gosh, I could have gone to an expensive vacation with that money. All-inclusive resort in Dominican Republic or Haiti or Jamaica. How many Jamaicans in here? Come on, make some noise at all of our campuses. I can't believe you're doing that. Wait a minute. No, no, it's not a waste because I have been blessed to be a blessing. And it is a blessing to give back to God because God uses my resources for others to hear the message of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms and changes lives. I am preaching to somebody today at all of our campuses. See how this works? It is never wasted. But here's something important that you need to understand and you need to write this down as your next point for today. Your view of Jesus will determine your worship. Your view of Jesus, how do you view Jesus, will determine your worship. See, in this narrative, the Gospel of Mark, he doesn't tell us who this woman is. But this narrative is also told in John and Matthew. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 1. Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Now we know that Lazarus is also invited to the party in the home of Simon the leper. And here's what the word of God says. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him, with Jesus at table. Here's what the word of God says. Mary, say with me, Mary. Mary. At all of our campuses, say Mary. Mary. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointments made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now we know that it was Mary that brought the expensive fragrance. Now this is Mary, not Mary, the mother of Jesus, not Mary Magdalene, but this is Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. Now why is that important to know? Because many of you may know that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were good friends of Jesus. And the chapter before, her brother Lazarus was sick. So Mary and Martha are like, get Jesus because he's going to heal our brother. So they send out a message and tell Jesus, come, come so you can heal our brother, the one that you love. Your boy is sick. Jesus does not come on time and the brother dies. See, oftentimes we want Jesus to come in our time, but he always operates in his time. 
And so later on, Jesus would come after being dead for four days. He would resurrect Lazarus from being dead. But before that happens, look at what the Bible says in John chapter 11, verse 32. Now when Mary, this was when Lazarus was dead, came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Think about this for a moment. She is accusing Jesus for her brother being dead. She is blaming Christ. God, Jesus, you did not come on time and heal my sick brother. Now he is dead. The same Mary that went from accusing Jesus, a chapter later, goes to worshiping Jesus with an expensive ointment worth a year's worth of wages. Why? Because her view of Jesus completely changed. The moment she went into that home and saw Jesus sitting around the table, she's like, wait a minute. Jesus is around that table? The resurrection and life is sitting around that table? The Son of God, the Son of Man, the bread of life is sitting around that table? Oh, I got to come and give everything that I have to Jesus. What they saw as a waste, she saw it as worship. What the disciples saw as he doesn't need that much, she saw it as he deserves much more because her view of Jesus completely changed. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses when you realize who Jesus is and what he's done? It completely changes your worship. She went from accusing Jesus and blaming him to giving him the expensive inheritance that she had. Here's the amazing thing, and I want you to write this down. See, when you worship, the worship of earthly things is temporal, but the worship of heavenly things is eternal. The worship of earthly things is temporal, but the worship of heavenly things is eternal. See, the things that we worship on earth, they'll fade away. One day we have it, one moment we enjoy them, and one moment we no longer have that. And it's temporary, it fades away. And I love how this narrative ends. Because look at what the Word of God says in Mark chapter 14, verse 8. Jesus says, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, where the gospel is preached, what we're doing now throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Think about this for a moment. If Mary would have held on to this expensive perfume and would have used it for a different occasion or given it to someone else, eventually it would have faded away. If she would have poured it on herself, she would have smelled good for a day, a week, maybe a month. Her home would have smelled good for some time. But eventually it would have faded away. But because she poured this expensive perfume on Jesus, 2,000 years later, in the city of Miami, Palmetto Bay, West Kendall, Doral, Homestead, Redland, Coral Gables, downtown, we are still talking about this narrative because worship to Jesus is never wasted. How many of you believe that today? 
So my question for you today, if you're watching us at Homestead, if you're watching us online, what's that alabaster jar box that you're holding on to? That you are holding on to that you have not given to God? Is it your time? Wait a minute, God, this is my time. Wait a minute, I need my time. I need to spend this time for myself. I need my time. Is it your family? Is it your business? What is it? Is it your resources? What's that thing that you're like, I'm holding on to? And you're like, if I give this to the Lord, wait, wait a minute. It is, it is a waste. What's that one thing? What's the alabaster jar that you're holding on to? You know, my bed, bedtime routine with my children, I usually put my two boys to sleep and Shawnee handles Everly. And when I put the two boys to sleep, every single night, we always, always pray. And my children are seven and six. And some time ago, this, you know, this uh, thing got to me uh, because sometimes uh, they're distracted. They're not, they don't have their eyes closed and they're hitting each other and they're not paying attention and they're fooling around. They're laughing. I had to tell them, hey, it's time to pray. We're praying to God and time to read God's word. And we read the storybook Bible. And some time ago, I thought to myself, are my boys really getting this? My children really being impacted? Am I making a difference? Do they really understand what's happening that we're praying to the God who has saved us from our sins? Or am I wasting my time? And I thought that for a moment. And then the Lord convicted me and reminded me, wait a minute, your mom used to do this every night with you and your brother. You guys were a year and a half apart and you would be doing the same thing, distracted, joking, eyes open, laughing, all this stuff. But I will always remember, even though sometimes I was distracted, I will never forget those moments. And it was in those moments when I learned about the faith of Abraham. It was in those moments where I learned about Moses delivering God's people from Egypt. It was in those moments where I learned about David defeating Goliath the giant. Daniel in the lion's den. Jesus defeating the cross and resurrecting after three days. It was in those moments. So I was remembered, no, it's not a waste. And I came to remind a parent today. I came to remind a wife today, a husband today. Maybe you have been praying for your son or your daughter. Maybe you've been praying for a spouse or a husband. And you feel like you're wasting your time. I came to remind you at all of our campuses, every time that you worship Jesus, it is never wasted because we serve a good and gracious God who has forgiven us from all of our sins and he has given us a new life. Never wasted. But maybe you're here today and you feel like you're wasting your life. You have an opportunity to change that. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes at all of our campuses. If you're watching us online. God, we thank you for this time that we can worship you. Thank you, Lord, because you are good. And thank you, Lord, because you have saved us from our sins. Thank you, God, because you have been so gracious to us, Lord, and you have chosen us, God. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe you're joining us for the first time and maybe as I was preaching this message, you were thinking, Carlos, I am, not only am I wasting my life, I don't even have a personal relationship with Christ. I am so lost, so far away from the things of Jesus. God cannot love me. I am so uh, confused. I don't know what to do with my life. 
I want to remind you today that God's hand is never too short to save you from your sins. And today, you have an opportunity to make a decision to follow Christ. The Bible says in Romans that if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe with our hearts, we will be saved. You have an opportunity to make him your Lord, your Savior, your best friend, your everything. There where you are, if that is you today, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And it's not the prayer that saves you, but rather the condition of your heart. And God wants your heart. He wants everything. You can repeat the same exact words or you can pray something similar. Father God, I come before you and I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, because in you I find completion, satisfaction, joy. Make me a new creation, God. I repent for my sins and I run to you today. Be my Lord, be my best friend, be my Savior, be my everything. Thank you, God. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen and amen. Christ Fellowship, if you're excited for those that said that prayer, why don't we give it up for them? And if you made that decision to follow Christ, we want to encourage you to go to our website, cfmiami.org slash connect. We want you to connect to our church. We want to welcome you into God's family. So make sure you go today, cfmiami.org slash connect. I want to invite all the campus pastors to come on stage. I love you, Christ Fellowship. Have an incredible day. God bless you.